You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served. Hello and welcome to another edition of Justice is Served right here on Black Hollywood Live. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I am a freelance workers' compensation attorney, and I am joined by two fabulous co-hosts. We have Shaka Smith, who comes to us from Miami, then went to college at Princeton Law School, D.C., has some experience in the public defender's office, natural gas law, which one am I missing? Healthcare law, and uh, now doing acting and fitness modeling. We also have B.J. Abron, who's coming back uh, straight out of Compton and straight out of law school. <laughs> Welcome, gentlemen, and thank, thank you. you for being here. Thank you. We've got a really, I, get, I hate to call it, like a juicy docket of stories, <laughs> starting with this first one that people cannot stop talking about. It is incredibly alarming, and we have the video, but first, let me just give you a brief introductory um, segment on this. In, this is a story out of South Carolina. We're going to be watching a video that comes that was from a classroom. A student took a cell phone video of an incident that occurred between an officer and a student. Uh, apparently right before the video, there was some disruptive words from the student. Uh, I guess we're looking at a math class and the teacher had seen the student texting uh, when the teacher couldn't get the student to conform to whatever request he or she had, the officer was called in, uh, and it led to this. Marissa, can we please play the video? Just incredible. It's so intense, it's hard definitely hard to watch it is yeah. and, and we've all seen it here a couple of times and we still sort of flinch when we see that so uh so much to say about this um the first thing that happened fairly quickly and this this incident occurred just a few days ago and already we've got the fbi and the department of justice involved uh shaka why have the fbi and department of justice gotten involved well, I mean, I think they looked at the civil rights issues, but I, I think what's more important to note is that they didn't want a situation that you have, like in Ferguson, in these past situations where they got involved late, you know? So getting to the ground early um, helps deflect a lot of the, um, I think, public distrust yeah. of um, our governmental system. So it's great that they're involved, they're looking at the processes and what allowed this to happen and what's going to happen afterwards. So it seems that maybe, you know, the rioting, which I don't think we enjoyed you know, watching or, or, or that they had to occur, but may have played into the psyche right. of, of law enforcement now that if we do not respond to these heinous actions... Swiftly, right. swiftly, yeah. Right, swiftly, soon, then there, people are going to march in the streets 
as they have the right to do, and we'd rather curtail that, and let's just get involved now. And, and I think that's one aspect of this, and, and possibly why they move so quickly, and you see a buildup of events and circumstances and situation where time after time we've seen uh, police officers commit these type of heinous acts. But also with this particular act, you see a situation where you have live video camera, and I know we've had this before, but this isn't just a black male, I'll say. This is a, a, a child. Yep. A young girl who's been physically assaulted and dragged across the room. This deserves, I mean, don't get me wrong, not that the other incidents where you have had victims being killed, innocent victims, but here it's a classroom setting. Yeah. yeah. It, we do, it, it is a, a woman who does not appear in any way to be threatening. Um, the, this officer used force, and we see force so often that we forget it's supposed to be reserved for very specific and unusual circumstances where that person poses a danger or a threat of danger to the officer or to people around her. And as much as we don't like disruptive students, uh, that's not posing a danger, so it doesn't warrant uh, that kind of, of behavior. Right. This morning we learned that this officer has been fired. Um, the officer, even if he wanted to arrest her, violated policy by losing physical contact with her during the arrest. So the part where he puts his hands on her isn't even the part that got him fired. It's where he slings her across the room and b basically releasing physical contact with her that uh, violates the uh, department's policy and is why he went from uh, on unpaid leave Monday to termination Wednesday morning. Right. So what, if any, does the firing have as an effect on these uh, DOJ and FBI investigations? I mean, personally, I don't think it halts the investigations at all. Um, because when we're talking about uh, the FBI investigations, we're talking about criminal charges here, whether we're talking about prosecuting um, this individual or um, the, you know, some type of um, ramifications that have to take place for the school board or for the agency that he works for. I think one of the problems here is, is it seems like the, the, school, the school itself doesn't really know how these officers are going to act or should be acting or even a complete capacity that they're in. The Whether protocol is not being well explained. When when people have asked about like what was supposed to happen, right. a lot of people are like, well, we don't know. That was the department's job and not the department. Well, right. that's the school's job. And so there's a lot of confusion about that. Uh, do you think that the school is, is or, or the department is, is moving so quickly to distance themselves from this gentleman because this officer has a history? Three prior incidents. Chaka, do you remember what those were? I remember... I do remember that one is pending. Yeah, one's pending. I think we also had one where he, he used mace, and um, yeah. he alleged that they were affiliated with gang activity. And so there, there's been um, a history of this officer um, targeting African Americans, um, just kind of by what people have said, and alleging that they've been involved in gang activity. Yeah. And, and if I'm correct, the yeah. situation where he used, and it was a whole can of mace, yeah. I believe it was an African American male who was in full uh, military uniform at the time. Well, all right. So one of these cases has been dismissed, and another one actually went to a jury, and the jury found in favor of him. I don't recall the circumstances that led up to them, but they were all for the same excessive force. And
and I believe in all three of these other instances, it has been a black man yeah. that was the victim of this excessive force. So do you think that the school or the department is any more concerned about their liability here because of this uh, officer's history? Absolutely. And I think it, in all these cases, I, all these police officer misconduct cases, we're always getting a history of the officer that should have been indicative that this was going to happen. And so I think this leads to a broader referendum on our police departments and how are they policing these officers that have um, complaints, whether they're founded or not. Are they going to counseling? Are they being talked to? Are they sat down and talked about the procedures and how they go about arresting these people? Training. Because this yeah. seems like he was never even spoken to um, beyond the fact that there were some proceedings that he one was dismissed and one was pending. Right. And I think out of all places... <laughs> How do you put a guy like this, a person like this, who has a rap, who has a history of doing this, these types of engaging in these types of incidents? How do you place them in a school out of yeah. all places? Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. Uh, I think that for sure, FBI and or the Department of Justice is going to find violations, violations either civil rights on the excessive force, most likely, and maybe not so automatically for the race part. Do you think that one or both of these, the race or the excessive force, will be found to have been violated by FBI and Department of Justice? I mean, I think it's the history of his conduct. If his conduct has shown that he's targeted a specific ethnicity in this particular circumstance, African Americans, then clearly we have an issue with race here, and nothing was done about it. Maybe the, maybe that's why nothing was done about it. Yeah. I don't know. And certainly on the excessive force, because once he was fired for going outside the mar departmental protocol, that bolsters the excessive force claim. So I, I think he will definitely um, be found to have violated that part of um, this woman's civil rights. And then what happens? What happens to? Does something happen to the officer, the department, the school? Who faces consequences? I mean, I think all parties face consequences. Obviously, if, if, if it goes far enough, you'll see criminal charges against um, the officer himself. And, yeah. and I think it'll be a trickle-down effect to everyone else. Possibly the department. But I, I think... I. I know in South Carolina they have a zero-tolerance policy for classroom disruptions. And so hopefully they look at this kind of policy and whether or not that's also fueling this excessive force as well. Mm. Um, and just the way the department is handling the way they pol um, police their own police. Right. So I think it just gonna, it needs, there needs to be a broader discussion about why these things keep happening. Right, because when the Department of Justice gets involved, if they find a violation, that doesn't then mean that the victim has a new ground to sue on. It actually means that the agencies that were involved in whatever went down have to be looked at further, right. their policies examined, and perhaps there are changes in the policies that led right. to whatever uh, circumstance could possibly lead to this. I, I know some people are saying, well, that girl was disrespectful. She was on her phone. She shouldn't have been acting that way. Uh, we can't just let kids get away with everything. Uh, but and, and there should have been a better way to handle this legally. What should the arrest have looked like? I mean, I, that that's pro, that's a protocol question. I'm not sure what the the uh, arrest should have looked like. I know one thing: they should have had training on how to deal with these type of circumstances. And from what I saw, he hasn't received any training on how to deal with these types of circumstances and, and, and not making that type of an arrest, but just calm the situation down. Right, absolutely, de-escalation. And thank right. God for cell phones because we wouldn't have captured this, yeah. and this guy would still be there, and no one would ever know. And apparently, right. he had that nickname, Officer Slam. Yeah. Right. 
So this is not his first time. Not everyone his first knows, rodeo. Yeah, everyone knows him for this kind of behavior. Yeah. So thank God that there's cell phones now in people's classrooms and they can document this. I mean, I was thinking, like, what would a, a, a lawful arrest look like, you know? Because if she refuses to stand up, I guess she refused to follow the officer's directions, which, yeah. you know, in some jurisdictions is a crime if you yeah. fail to follow their their directions. So if she didn't want to, what I, I thought, I don't know, well, maybe he could just cuff her to this chair, the, the desk thing apparatus. It looked like a joint chair and desk. And then lift the whole thing on a cart and wheel her out. Yeah. But anything short of this would have been more I acceptable. Mean, it would have been more acceptable to excuse the whole class for a moment and deal with the situation and just yeah. talk to her or, or try but to... I can imagine a teacher is like, you know, given very few days to cover a, yeah. a huge curriculum and every time a student acts out, I mean, the, there's certainly some consequences for this girl, but it is a completely different conversation than what happened here with this officer. And I think they've talked about doing body cams on all officers now, and so hopefully that would apply to him and maybe that would change his behavior. But maybe you need a classroom cam. I, I don't know, but it looks like. <laughs> yeah. But how you know? often do you think there's our students do not give up their cell phone in the classroom these days? I'm pretty okay. sure this is not the first time. This probably happens often where yeah. a student refuses to. And, and yeah. the sad part is, is that my understanding of the purpose of these officers in the classrooms to begin with was the, to deter another Columbine. Yeah was to protect the students from other students or people that would come into the school and shoot up the school or cause harm to these students. And now these same offices are put in this position where they're attacking the students that they're there to protect. I think that's where a lot of our problems lie, though. We always look at the police, um, and, and, and let me state this first. The police are here to protect and serve. They service us, right? And so the way we look at it is in situations, we place them there and we say, hey, they're going to be there to protect and serve. And because of the uh, the mold and how they're being brought up in a police department, uh, that's not really – they're here to torment people in a lot of circumstances. And so when we get situations – and I heard someone else say um, on another show, uh, they spoke in terms of uh, doing whatever that they taught they, – they teach their kids to do whatever the police say. And that's not that's not ideal. In fact, and it was a lawyer who made the statement, it's contrary to your job as a lawyer. You're, you're supposed to honor and protect the Constitution. The Constitution does not allow for the police to tell you what to do, and you have to completely agree or do what they say. Well, this one's a tough call because in some situations, they have to keep the order, and they will instruct people to do something, and you have to follow that. So... Uh, but there's a line with that. Though. Absolutely. It's and it's line. difficult when you're in the middle of that situation the, to know what the line is. And I think the question is, even if you're on the right side of the line, are you going to not go to jail? Are you not going to be physically harmed? Are you not you're going to get shot and maybe We've die? We've seen people killed yeah. that have done everything that the police Yeah, has. I remember with Sandra Blonde that, the, you know, whether you're disobedient to the police officer might cost you your life. And so it's such a fine line to, as a citizen, what, what to walk? Do I let the police know that they're, like, yeah. incorrectly abusing me? Or do I just suck it up, maybe not go to jail, and maybe leave with my pride hurt, knowing I was just assaulted by an officer? Yeah. For, from what I understand, that's what the guy that got that he maced, yeah. um, he, that's what he was doing. He was oh. asserting his constitutional right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> when it comes to the police, it could, it could get you killed at the end of the day. Well, a lot of them don't even know their rights, yeah. from, from my experience. Well, th- this is a story that's certainly not going to go away anytime soon. And we will most definitely be following up with it. And we want to know your thoughts on it. What 
uh, how should this have been handled? What should happen to the school or the police department? Please tweet us, me, at Chelsea Galicia, at Shaka Strong, and at Just BJ Abron. We really want to hear your thoughts on this. All right, so now moving on to a follow-up on the Lamar Odom story from last week. You'll recall that he is recovering from... Some, a health crisis that landed him in a coma, and during that uh, coma, he was tested for drugs, and it is now turned up positive for cocaine, which, although it's very commonly used, is still very illegal in this country. And so, uh, what do you think the chances are that he will actually be prosecuted for it, BJ? Um, whether he's prosecuted, uh, I mean, I think he will be prosecuted. It seems like they want to go forward with these charges. Um, yeah. Now, uh, the ramifications afterwards might be a different circumstance, but clearly I think they want to fall, it would fall within the realm of him being prosecuted. Uh, they found, to my, to my knowledge, they found drugs in it or, or cocaine in his system. Yeah. So um, if they want to prosecute, that's a felony. All right. And so if they do prosecute him and he is convicted, Chaka, what kind of punishment should he expect? Well, he's looking up to four years technically in jail. Um, however, it's a first-time offense, and so he likely will get no time unless it's a situation where they want to make an example of him. Yeah. Um, you know, doing cocaine, he's at this sort of institution that probably is not looked upon favorably. Although it's legal it, there, it's right? It's legal in Nevada, um, the brothel, but, you know, it's not a favorable institution, so they might try to make an example of him and maybe try to go after the brothel as well. Right. And there's another question. He is in an unknown mental state laying in a hospital here in L.A., so can he really be uh, prosecuted from his hospital bed? Well, I mean, the thing with that is for anyone to stand trial, they have to be competent at the time of trial. So um, it, it, it's, our, it's relative to his status right now um, or, or at that time. If he doesn't have the mental capacity that's required to be con considered co uh, competent, then he can't style trial, stand trial at that time, and it will be pushed back until he can. Any signs that he is competent or is not competent? Well, we do know he suffered multiple strokes. Um, I heard it's like a dozen of them. Yeah, so and we don't even know if he remembers the event. We, we don't know the details surrounding his memory currently or even his right. motor function now. So, I mean, I've heard from sources, and I'm, I'm not sure how reliable these sources are, that he's uh, engaged in a number, a number of conversations, that he's text messaged a number of people. So I'm not sure. I'm not, I think it's up and down. It's, it's a shaky moment. Yeah. It's very hard to tell at this moment if right. he is competent. All right. But something that we can congratulate Chaka on is his uh, speculation last week. I invited him to speculate about whether Chloe and Lamar's decision to pull the plug on their divorce was more romantically motivated or more like medically legally motivated and Shaka and also Erica both yeah. said that they thought it was more convenient for legal medical reasons yeah. and wouldn't you know it but Khloe Kardashian herself issued a, uh, an answer to this uh, not to us specifically but it just so happened it's like perfectly and she called in and she, she no, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing she said that there are too many other important things like medical things uh, she said, quote, it's not even in our brains thinking about us as a couple or having a relationship right now. So, you know, props to you, Shaka, for getting that right. <laughs> it's you. not often that we get to be proven correctly yeah. like that. So um, that's kind of fun. What do you think uh, will happen? Will he get prosecuted? We want to know this from you. So please tweet us and let, you, let us know what you think. 
And uh, we really do want to uh, perhaps have a segment on this show where we are responding to your responses. So start flooding us with those so that we've got some... uh, good stuff to go back and forth with with you our audience and, and comment listeners. on our youtube video this is up on youtube as well absolutely thank you for that all right and then i guess another follow-up story from last week yeah. we talked about halle berry and her husband olivier martinez getting sued by an lax uh, worker who was assaulted as they were coming out of the airport olivier hit the LAX worker with a car seat and they are being sued. So we talked about uh, you know, what kind of claim that is and the likelihood of success. And we also talked about the specific implications for Hallie herself, who at the time was holding their young son. And then just a week later, they have announced uh, they're divorced and they've both filed for divorce, which yeah. gives rise to an interesting discussion here. So first of all, Hallie was... Uh, the first one to file, and she used aliases, which raises a question as to whether Olivier's filing is actually first. So first, a question about the alias. Why do you think she used them? I mean, it might be kind of obvious, but the more important question is, is it valid to file uh, a divorce claim using aliases? She used for herself her her, um, middle name, and Part of her first name. So Hal Maria was her name. Yes. And okay. then for his name, it was Oliver Marti- Martin. Martin. Yeah. And even their young son, Maceo, his name was Mac. Mac. Martin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, any thoughts on the, the, the aliases? Yeah, well, clearly it was done for privacy. Um, and I think, you know, that's obviously obvious. Um, whether or not the filing is valid, I think that courts tend to look at the practical matter of the filings, and does every party involved know who the other parties are? Yes. Is there an overwhelming reason to do this because of who she is? Yes. So I think the actual alias and the, the using that is valid. But another issue was whether or not um, Oliver was or Olivier was served properly. Right. And so she had handed him the papers herself. In California, it needs to be a third party who's not a party to the actual um, litigation, in this case, a divorce. Um, so I think the, the serving was improper, and so I believe that they'll probably go with his filing as a result. And BJ, why does it really matter who filed first, or does it matter at all? I mean, it's always um, strategic advantages you know, as to who files first. But, I mean, in this particular circumstance, uh, especially with the remarks as, uh, that she made about the child, it seems like this might be something that they kind of both just want to get done and, you know, get over with. I'm not sure how much of an advantage there will be. I mean, it doesn't seem to me that there's going to be a huge difference about who files first because it's not like they filed, like, in different venues. Like, maybe if if this was a bi-coastal family and one filed in California and the other filed in New York and there were standards or things that were favorable to one and not the other, then it would be a big deal. But it doesn't seem that it's a big deal. Uh, some people are like, well, this is Hollywood, and who left who is a very important <laughs> matter. But uh, I'm sure that's probably the least of her concerns. I'm sure, sure she's earned her street cred with yeah. that Oscar. And I think in other cases, you know, when one party files, say, far later than the other party, and we're looking at community property, or we're looking about how to divide the assets, um, that might be an issue. Right, because when you are living in a community property state like California, the date of the separation is when the 
community sort of ends or closes. And so uh, the assets that are going to be split are that it's that's the cutoff date. Yeah. But How- I think irrespective of, of, of the first one is, is sufficient to satisfy that um, that uh, legal data separation, as it's called. Yeah. And here it doesn't seem to matter because uh, Hallie has, uh, in her petition, said that there was a prenup, and it appears that the prenup kept their money separate. So even though California is a community property state, meaning that when you get married, the earnings of both people during the marriage are considered to be of both people in the marriage, even if one is the one out working and, and earning that money. But they've kept their money separate, so what each earned during the marriage is their own money. And so as long as that prenup is valid, yeah. uh, and I have not heard that either one is disputing the validity of that prenup, that they'll keep their, their money as their own. And so who filed first isn't a big deal. What was interesting in the uh, petition that I saw on, on Hallie's end was that there wasn't a specific request for custody. So you can say, you know, sole physical custody, so legal custody, this visitation, that. And she didn't really do that. She put in there a bunch of times, as is in the best interest of the child, um, which is pretty unusual. We don't see that. We usually see a parent making a, uh, taking a strong stand or position on which they want. What do you make of this? I mean, to me, that they may have already had come to an agreement about how they're going to handle the, the arrangement with the kid. Yeah. It, it seems to me that they're not uh, in a place where e- any one of them thinks the other is a bad right. parent, which is pretty important in this case because there are, are uh, word out there that part of the reason that they are getting a divorce is because Hallie is fed up with Olivier's temper, the one that led to that the lawsuit, uh, which does extricate her almost from the lawsuit right. because part of the theory of that lawsuit was that she authorized his behavior. Right. So if uh, she is divorcing due to the behavior it's certainly not authorized right so but apparently it's you know neither one has a concern that uh, that temper or any personality problems make it a dangerous situation for the kid to be right. in their sole custody right. so but hopefully this means that they're on a good amicable track but i'll say something is just funny about this right you know the, the aliases the different filings the best interest of the child Something I feel like there's more to come that's going to kind of enlighten us because these every, <laughs> too many weird things in this yeah, one yeah, case. Yeah. 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 All right. So, and we will we'll, we'll see if another one of Shaka's <laughs> predictions comes <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings.com. So your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Because you can use America's favorite one-week fantasy football site, DraftKings.com. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. And so you can uh, take out an injured player, replace them with somebody better each week since each week is like a new season. And DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. So you can turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. So go on over to DraftKings.com and use the promo code BLACK to play for free for a shot at the $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. So again, that's promo code BLACK at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the big time. Thank you so much, DraftKings. And now on to Russell Simmons' company and a class action filed uh, against him for something with a debit card, credit yeah. card, 
Uh, Shaka, what is Russell Simmons doing in the credit card, debit card business? Well, I think what a devastating story because um, he, here he is in this very this business that's often um, accused of being like very predatory. Um, basically, he created this card, a prepaid debit card, so that people of lower financial means that may have trouble opening bank accounts or getting more credit um, could get their bills paid, could use direct deposit, could transfer money. And so he was allowing them that freedom as if they had their own bank account. And he was really doing it to target people with, with no good history or bad credit, um, which disproportionately affects the African-American community. So he was doing this, as it seems, to help people. Yeah, and not without the predatory fees or you know that they're accused of. And so this this is a case is sort of yeah. so tough to see that now maybe there's some maybe misdealings going on. So something right. went terribly wrong. Um, BJ, what are they people? These were users of the right. cards. What are they alleging happened? So it's five users, and, and the card is called uh, Rush Card, is the name of his company. So there were five users who um, essentially are bringing a, a, a claim for fraud. It's a class action claim against Russell Simmons in this matter. Um, they were complaining that they were unable to use their cards as they should be able to. They stated that they couldn't withdraw money from their accounts, and it was over a span of more than 12 days. So you can see the complications that obviously could have arose in this particular People circumstance. People pay their rent late. Right, yeah, right, and right. And so it, it could definitely have a huge effect here. Um, I'm not sure... Uh, how those damages will be evaluated once it, you know, if this get, if it even gets that far. But Russell Simmons, um, he's tweeted about the circumstances. He stated clearly that um, they were having complications. I believe what was it a, um, uh, a glitch? Some glitch in their system as they were switching over. It was a glitch. Yeah, yeah it was a glitch in the system that caused it. And so um, the fraud allegations. Uh, I'm not sure. They don't sound very strong. It sounds more like something happen that maybe could happen to any company, but is there still some negligence that could be pursued, if not fraud? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you have negligent misrepresentation. Um, and so, and, and the implications are big because we're talking about people that he knows that you're targeting community that if they don't pay their rent on time, that there's a high a higher probability that they're um, affected in a more negative way. Yeah. Right. And so you're, de- you're dealing with a very vulnerable class of people. Right. And so that puts the onus on you even higher. And so I think in a negligent misrepresentation case, if he were to lose, the damages could be could be great. Right. So I mean, what what should what should he do? Either legally or just like to to fix the situation? Would he find out from each user what their late rent fee <laughs> is? I, and well, I think he's looking at settlements. You know, yeah. um, I, I think as of today, there's still a handful of people that are still affected by this. So it's not over yet. Um, so yeah, I think. He's and there was one person who actually claimed that. Uh, not only were they unable to use they, uh, their their card, they actually are complaining that there was a certain amount of money that was missing from their card. And so now that might open the door to a pure uh, fraudulent claim. Yeah, yeah that, that's a difference. Yeah, before you know it, yeah. you're getting a three-day notice, and you're going to have to go to court, and yeah. and now you got to go to court, miss work, and now you got to maybe you lose your job as a result. So it can yeah. really spiral yeah. out of control here. Wow. And I agree. I mean, you, you hate to see this in a situation where it, um, obviously this is a for-profit company, but at the same time, it appears to be some type of community-oriented uh, it was, concept It was serving it. a market yes. that really needed yes. some uh, assistance because if you don't have a ton of, uh, of money and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you can't always guarantee that your uh, checking or savings account is going to be above some sort of minimum threshold that the bank requires and that you can take care of any fees that are applied to you. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I can see where this was a good idea. 
and uh, let's hope he doesn't come to regret it if yeah, I think the regulatory agencies may come down particularly hard because it's already an industry they that they're already Highly very wary of. Yeah, they're very wary of this industry. So, well, good luck to 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 him and to the users because you know I'm, I can imagine how scary that would be if you can't access your money. Right. Right. All right. So now, bacon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I heard no. it. Yes. Ham. <laughs> sausage. <laughs> Monday, the World Health Organization came out to say that the consumption of bacon, sausage, and ham is dangerous, so much so they call it now a carcinogen. It's in the same class of substances as cigarettes, alcohol, asbestos, and arsenic in terms of causing cancer. Now, there's warning labels on virtually anything that could be even potentially dangerous. We've got warning labels on hair dryers, Mm -hmm. and we've also got warning labels on cigarettes. So what do you think the chances are that we're going to have warning labels on our bacon? Yeah, I mean, I think they're high, because even now you have warning labels about undercooked meat, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're high, but should we get graphic warning labels to me? I can't wait. Know? I kind of I want them. And, and the kind of cancer that these meats are said to cause, and it's not just the meat, it's the way that they're, they're cured, smoked, salted, Preserved, all, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they are, are shown to be linked with uh, colorectal cancers most often. So if there was a, what is what are they called? Dramatic? A graphic. Graphic uh, yeah. that I imagine somebody walking around with a colostomy bag, <laughs> which if you don't know, that's the kind of bag that holds right. your excrement when you cannot properly use a toilet. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It would be a deterrent, certainly, yeah. to... Uh, picking up that package of bacon. And I definitely think, I mean, if you left it to me, I would strip it off the shelves altogether. Anyway, it almost cringes inside when I hear the word bacon. But um, I I think definitely um, we need a label. But I think it it begs a bigger question. With all the the technology that we have today, all the information that we have today, why did it take so long for there to be a link um, between bacon and cancer, because know, people know, love bacon. Yeah, because <laughs> we love it. No. Well, it's not. It's not even. It's just not. And yeah, the World Health Organization for it to come to this conclusion is not a light thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think some people understand the gravity, like the number of reports, um, things that the World Health Organization looked at to come up with this conclusion. It's not something. I mean, it seems kind of obvious to some of us, but for them to come out and declare it. Is a, is a big thing, and part of the reason is because there are some massive organizations, well, meat yeah. organizations exactly. and associations uh, that really stand to lose a lot of money. And that's, they that's, have yeah. authored, you know, uh, not authored, but they sometimes, I, I, don't, I can't say exactly which ones, but they pay for studies yeah. or they pay scientists. They, they fund the scientists in such a way that the scientist is dissuaded from looking into the potential dangers of their products, and so. And so you put those with the with the lobbyists that they have as well, and now you have, this, and that's that. That's the bigger question. Absolutely. That's the reason why it's taken actually so long. I mean, but and, and not to be a conspiracy, and I shouldn't even say the word conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, Bill Gates years ago, and I think it's it's a big it's a big area here. Bill Gates about in 2010, I think I recall, I watched a video in which he spoke 
And he made statements uh, stating that, you know, we need to reduce the population. It's online. You can find this video anywhere online. Uh, and the way that we do it is through vaccinations. We do it, you know, through various ways of those means. He said to reduce the population. We need to reduce human population. And this he, is Bill Gates? This is on. <laughs> you can go to YouTube right now and uh-huh. you can find, just type in Bill well, Gates, reduce population. I haven't population. seen that. I haven't seen that, but I ha- what I have seen is that, you know, he and his wife have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and every year they do an open letter to the public regarding the foundation. And one of them addressed, I think it was last year's letter, addressed three myths to uh, this fight on uh, against poverty. And some people think that the that poverty and 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 death of so many people is just sort of a natural way of keeping the population in check. And they actually said no, that that's not true. Is that when you have a healthier population, they will naturally have fewer children because they're they're not as afraid that their kids are going to all die. Mm-hmm. And so they have fewer children, and that brings the population naturally down, mm-hmm. rather than having disease and poverty and uh, hunger eradicate so many. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's. Bizarre, but I, I think that it is really serious. The uh, the meat that we're eating to our health. I mean, cigarettes cause what is it? Not even a million. Yeah, yeah, four hundred forty-three thousand <laughs> deaths a year. Yeah, and they have a label yeah. on their and product. They can now have graphic warnings. In two thousand nine, right. um, our Congress approved graphic warnings for cigarettes. Right. So. And and even though the World Health Organization, you know, showed a link to to cancer. And I think a link to heart disease, mm-hmm. maybe they don't even need to declare that because it's so obvious. I don't know. Some of the things that I think are so obvious need to be announced, and some are not. In, <laughs> either way, but you know, heart disease is the number one killer of men and women right. in the United States. And so uh, if these products are causing that, I, I think we should reasonably expect a warning label sometime. I don't know about soon. But sometime, I mean, these labels are a huge, huge issue. Uh, ask anybody who watches out for genetically modified oh, food much, yeah. and who have tried to get warning labels or, or just even labels, not even warning labels, but labels to indicate that a food is from a genetically modified source. Right. That has been a huge, huge fight. Lots of lobby money coming in to fight that. So uh, this is not going to happen overnight. So in the meantime, we're just going to have to educate each other. Uh, and and I don't think this will be the first. I think we're I think we're in the last thirty to forty years as our science has really gotten better. Um, we've gotten better at treating diseases and eradicating certain diseases. And so now we're starting to move into the era of prevention. And I so hope that so. means we're looking at our food supply. We're See, I don't know how far so. we're moving into that area. We should be. I completely agree. Yeah. That on a on a ground level yeah. we see and we would like to go in that area, but I don't know if the industry itself, the hair care, all of this ties in. No, all I, of this ties yeah, in. I, I think heart disease and diabetes and the complications that result from them are some of the hugest profit making industries that we right. have in our country, and so it's 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 a weird dichotomy is that we now know the dangers, and some people are like, well, this is my life, and I want to live it the way I want. You know, I'm going to go down with a you know, boatload of bacon in my stomach. But you know. I, I think you're seeing companies start to evolve. I think you're seeing um, everyone now realizes, oh, it's good to put organic. It's good to put gluten free. It's good that this is vegan. So yeah. companies are starting to evolve, but it takes time for them to um, get their profit margins See, right. I think that, but, but I think we might be colored by the fact that we live in LA, 
where that is yeah. very and, and if we look at the rest of the country I'm not so sure they've quite jumped on that I, train I yet. I think the trends start here and they're going to slowly start yeah, to absolutely. move. Yeah. And I understand people are like it's my life let me live it how I want but the fact is is that my health insurance premium is somewhat dependent yeah. on the incidences of diseases across the population and so even though I eat healthy and don't feel like I should have to pay hundreds of dollars in health insurance premiums every month I have to because of the current reality yeah. that everybody is out there eating this stuff and, and not taking care of themselves. And they were living their life uninformed. So yeah, and, I'm living and, my life the way I want, but maybe if I had been raised knowing the truth, I would be living it slightly different. And so that's what I was going to It's not even living uninformed. Yeah. You're being inundated with marketing tactics. The, I mean, the way you can, tr- can control a population today is through marketing. And Absolutely. that's the best way to keep control of any population. And that's what's happening. We've been marketed these since we've been young. Yeah. Bacon. Yeah. yeah. They got bacon festivals, yeah. right? <laughs> I, I gave up bacon like two years ago. And it was the hardest thing to do because you, you, you're not just tied because of the taste, but you're so mentally tied to the good times you've had with yeah. bacon. You I know? mean, I think they're showing, point. some of these food, it, it's Not easy. so good to eat that it triggers the same parts in your brain that cocaine does, yeah, the pleasure addiction. centers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you you may be addicted to bacon, and you hopefully they don't have meetings about that soon. <laughs> okay, bacon Anonymous. Moving on to our final story. Uh, our, our cell phones, our smartphones, uh, our tablets, and even our smart TVs are now legal to jailbreak. Uh, BJ had an interesting analogy when trying to explain what this meant to somebody who's not so tech-savvy like me. Can you share that with our audience? I mean, my perspective is that it should have always been legal to jailbreak. Uh, The the correlation that I was making was if you purchased a vehicle, uh, you purchased that vehicle and you drove off the lot and say you were engaged or or you had uh, your hobby was uh, motor vehicles and you wanted to enhance your engine or enhance some type of part on your or your motor vehicle, you kidding. That's basically what's going on here when you say you can't jailbreak your phone. I purchase a phone. I own the phone. The phone is mine. I operate the phone. I should be able to jailbreak the phone. I should be able to utilize the phone however it pleases me. All right. So now it's apparently legal to do this. Uh, but will companies like Apple you know, fight this, appeal this? Um, think, Shaka? I, I think it's something they probably do want to appeal and to fight because... It, basically, this is going to start to trickle in more competition. You can have different operating systems. You can have um, different things that you can use on the phone that are not strictly Apple or strictly Android. Um, so I think it's not in their best interest, and they tend to try to fight things like this and, unless it's just a little too far gone. So they may try to interject, but uh, I think it's a good thing. I mean, you the heart of capitalism and the heart of, you know, just at least in this country, is the freedom to do what you want with the things that you purchase that, that's honestly gained. Right. And now this allows for that. So. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, guys. I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much, Shaka course, and BJ, for joining us. And for you uh, joining us, please don't forget to tweet us your thoughts and uh, in- informed opinions, hopefully. The nice one, Basically, right. I mean, <laughs> not the mean, ignorant tweets, like the real informed ones. Just talk to us. At yeah. Chelsea Galicia, at Shaka Strong, and yeah. at Just BJ Abron. And join us next week for another episode of Justice is Served. 
from producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.